As such, policymakers try to design Shanghai in a way that can grab the benefit from collaboration with universities in the area, particularly when there are no market incentives for these companies to cooperate. Namely, if Shenzhen companies do not receive any benefit from cooperating with Hong Kong companies, why would they? Such a lack of cooperation probably hinders innovation on both sides of the border. Moreover, for all the talk of government support to R&D, the data suggests that government subsidies to innovation at the best have no effect and at the worst actually hobble these innovative companies' ability to generate profitable new goods and services. Studies such as Girma point to the large-scale effect that foreign investment has had in the region in terms of promoting innovation. They point to not only the significant benefits that foreign investment has brought for innovative companies in the region, but also the benefits that export markets bring. If government support does in fact increase innovation, the impact of such spending may be too small to actually measure. Guo et al. in this infographic point to the effect on total sales of variables like a new patent filings, export volumes, and so forth. And what we see is that companies receiving InnoFund support from the Chinese government tended to see larger sales, new patents, a new product sales, higher export volumes, and so forth, but the effect was so small that the only way we could show it in this infographic was to multiply that effect by a thousand. These data thus suggest that if China's innovation fund had any impacts, the measure of those impacts would likely be very small indeed. Other data shows that support from national or local governments has mixed effects on new product market share and R&D slash innovation. Support from Beijing appears to support new product market shares, yet seems to have very little, if any, impact on R&D and innovation. Financial support from the Hong Kong government or Guangzhou government tends to correlate with decreases in the market share of new products and also has negligible effects on R&D and innovation. Unsurprisingly, firm size seems to correlate most strongly with new products market share, even if such firm sizes endow no particular benefits to companies engaging in R&D or innovation. Thus, these studies and studies like them tend to suggest that government subsidies hurt rather than help innovation in what we call the Qianhai region. Hong Kong's own policy failures in the area of innovation tend to underscore the broader failure of subsidization and support to innovation policy in the region. The infographic we see in front of us shows the average funding from Hong Kong's Innovation and Technology Fund by sector. And despite public pronouncements that the fund supports new and innovative sectors, we see that the clothing sector attracted the highest amount of average funding from the fund. We see that electronics companies, IT companies, and biotech companies did attract relatively large amounts of funding, 
Yet, with average funding sizes of only 4 million Hong Kong dollars for these electronics companies, one might ask what appreciable effect such funding would have on innovation. In other words, how much R&D, how much new product development could these companies engage in with such limited amounts of money? As we show in our paper, the Hong Kong Innovation Fund and innovation policy more generally has been extremely badly designed and has not contributed to either innovation or increases in any profits from these sectors. Looking at Hong Kong's innovation parks, we see that they only made $68 million on roughly $730 million in revenue. 97% of these parks' revenue came from property-related transactions, rather than reaping the benefits of investment in innovation. And indeed, we don't see many signs of such investment in innovation, as almost half of these parks' expenses consisted of administrative and operating expenses, as well as marketing the parks. Thus, Qianhai represents a chance to reform the fund, its innovation parks, and similar policies. Naturally, many observers of Qianhai rightly point to the competitive effects that Qianhai might have on existing innovative companies in Shenzhen and Hong Kong. The infographic we see in front of us shows the flows of co-investment on the mainland and with Hong Kong in 2008. And what we see is that Shanghai and Beijing continue to attract the lion's share of such investment. Shenzhen and Hong Kong have not attracted very much investment. And if Qianhai comes online, there's relatively little to suggest that Qianhai would create a stronger magnet in attracting these funds. And if Qianhai does attract companies, it's likely that companies would choose Qianhai for political rather than economic reasons. The infographic we see in front of us shows the impact of a foreign listing on economic and political returns from these companies. Thus, we see that companies that list overseas and thus seem likely to participate in a venture such as Qianhai, these companies would receive a relatively large amount of media exposure and the officials connected with these companies are far more likely to be promoted. Yet we see that these companies listing abroad tend to see declines in their sales, declines in re returns on assets, and declines in market-adjusted returns.